morning family, it's so good uh, to have you join us this morning. This is the day the Lord has made and we choose to rejoice. We choose to have joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We find our strength in the Lord. So no matter what you're going through, I want you to remember what the Bible says in Lamentations, that the mercies of the Lord are forever new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. I'm Pastor Yami, for those that are just joining us for the first time, and um, one of the leaders at Flood Church. I get the privilege of walking together with people as we navigate what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Our mission in the city of Blanta is to awaken hope, because we believe unless you are rooted in who Jesus is, not an idea of Jesus, but on who Jesus is, who was sent by God, the Father and who empowers us to live a godly life through the power of the Holy Spirit, every other ground is sinking sand. So thank you so much this morning for joining us and we'll be wrapping up a series uh, that we've been going through. I've invited one of our leaders, one of our good friends that's going to be bringing the word um, uh, today, just wrapping up this conversation of what it means to be people in relationships with each other as we are learning what it means to be in a relationship with God. So this series, we've touched so many things. Um, so I'm really excited that you just get to hear, almost like a summary, just a wrap up of what it means to love God and to love one another. And also we're going to have an opportunity uh, for you guys to uh, figure out how you can give um, to the body, to your neighbors, wherever you are. So my invitation even today is we're going to have a link where you can give uh, to us as a church. But I want you to be aware of your neighbor's needs. That you are sitting and spending time in a city, in a place where people are going through so many needs. And I want you to be able to notice what are the needs my neighbors are having that you can go and meet through the resources the Lord has allowed you to have in a season. Now we're going to jump into worship in a little bit. And one of the things that I want you to remember is that the Spirit of God is with us. And God says, those that want to worship God should worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. And the truth, Jesus is the truth. And we want you to worship God in Spirit and in truth. So we're going to pray and trust in Jesus uh, to allow us to just understand His love. So we're going to pray and we're going to jump into a worship song called How Deep the Father's love for us. Let us pray. Jesus, we come before you in a season where life is a little bit more complicated, where we are facing uh, the realities of life, of pain, of frustration, and of a pandemic. You remain God. You remain true. You remain in charge. So we pray and surrender even this next hour as we worship and as we trust you for who you are. Help us unlearn the things that are not from you. And help us surrender to you for the sake of your name. Amen. Enjoy worship.
Chico, nah, 
or strutting about, or as I like to call it, puffing. Not being arrogant or rude or indecent or self-absorbed. Not being easily upset, tallying wrongs, or celebrating injustice. Truth is love's delight. Another attribute of love is putting up with anything and everything that comes along. And that is one I, I'm sure all of us struggle with at different points in our life. And then trusting and hoping and enduring all things, no matter what. What I find interesting is that I think generally we could all define these words, but it's super easy to act out subtle manifestations of these without really realizing that we're not loving well. After this, we learned from Zach two Sundays ago about how knowledge and prophecy are actually going to go away, as when Christ comes again, both knowledge and prophecy will be fulfilled in his coming. And what's going to remain is love. And last Sunday, Yami talked about ten things instinctually built in us that distort our perspective, which clearly affect how we relate to one another, to ourselves, and to God, how we see, hear, and believe. So we need to focus on loving well during this very unprecedented time. So this brings us to the last verse of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And if you'll get your Bibles and turn to me to that verse, we're going to read it now together. But now faith, hope, and love remain. These three virtues must characterize our lives. The greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I've been asking God all week, and even a few weeks before that, about what he really wanted me to say to you. And all I heard this week was, Andy, this is it. This is the whole shebang. <laughs> so, in our current state of life with the pandemic, we are being hit with a lot of messages, subtle and very blatant that incite fear, heighten anxiety, grow distressed among each other, and drive a very selfish agenda. I personally feel it could be easy to see how hope could die in this environment, and faith too. But I think more so than other times in my lifetime, it is the very time where this chapter and this verse in particular are so relevant. We are called to love and to embody love as our highest aim in life. This is especially true now. To love is the way hope and faith will be revitalized and emboldened. So I'm going to tell you a story. When John and I moved to Blantyre, we had very low expectations of finding a church that fit us. At the end of the day, I just wanted a church that, had, that could articulate and that did articulate God's love to everyone. And in many parts of the world, our churches do not do that. My experience in attending a lot of different churches throughout my work travel over the last 13 years, some parts of Africa, people were excluded from God's love in big and little ways through words and actions and lack of actions. When we met Yami, 
and heard of his heart for Flood, Blantyre. I could barely believe an African man like this was legit. The way he believed, the way he thought, the way he acted. He was going to, to start a church that Jesus wanted him to. And it was going to love everyone in this city. And he was serious about the every one in everyone. Yami embodies this call to a true way of life of love. I'm sure that each of you have experienced this in some small or big way by now. And if you haven't, just keep coming to Flood and you will. I'm proud to be one of the leaders of this church and proud to call Flood my church in this city. Listen to our vision to serve the city in love and faith through authentic connections to develop a movement of hope-filled people rooted in Yesu. This is the message of the gospel. God loves everyone with no exceptions. If you know me, you know that I like planning and identifying practical steps toward achieving a goal. So I ask you, what are the main wrap-ups and takeaways from this series? Essentially, what we're going to walk through today is what Brian McLaren might call Flood's love curriculum. As any good university curriculum would have, and I do think we're all at that level of schooling, we have a Love 101, a Love 201, a Love 301, and a Love 401. This is the curriculum that I think Flood embodies that will help us know the wrap-ups of this series. So here's Flood 101, love of neighbor. Flood must learn to love our neighbors. This is 101. Putting love for neighbor first may sound strange, but it's actually the direction of the New Testament in full. And there is a very good theological reason for this. Jesus, of course, said the greatest commandment was to love God with our whole heart and soul and mind. That's in Matthew 22. This isn't terribly surprising, but what is, is the second thing. And the second is like it, meaning that it's as equally important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Even more surprising, Paul said that the whole law was actually summarized in love for your neighbor. That's in Galatians. And that love for neighbor fulfills the whole law <laughs> in Romans. So what's going on? Is love, being, is love for God being absorbed into this love for neighbor? Is that actually how this works? So John offers an insight into, into this. He says in, in 1 John, if you don't love your neighbor, who you can see, you can't love God who you have not seen. And his words recall Jesus' own words, just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family. You did it to me. That's again in Matthew 25. Only through loving neighbors do we prepare our hearts to love God. We might even say that the way to God runs through our neighbors, especially those who are vulnerable. The New Testament teaching us is a very radical truth, and it has been all along. But many of us put a lot of determination into avoiding it, we're not wanting to recognize what it really means and looks like in practice. 
So who is our neighbor? I'm sure you've heard sermons about this before, but if neighbors are close to us, those whom we share something with in common, then our family members are actually our closest neighbors. Neighbor love begins between married couples and among parents and children, brothers and sisters, grandparents, sister, aunts, uncles, cousins. The Bible speaks to these relationships very frequently, but much of its guidance is encoded in the cultures of the ancient world, cultures characterized by patriarchy and chauvinism. Patriarchy, just to have us all on the same page, that's a social system in which men hold primary power and predominant in roles of political leadership, moral authority, social privilege, and control of property. Chauvinism means excessive or prejudiced support for one's own cause, group, or sex. Now, more traditional or conservative Christians globally have often excelled in teaching biblical skills of family love. But unfortunately, they've also often preserved patriarchy and chauvinism as an essential part of the curriculum that they teach. More liberal Christians also have their errors. They've been so determined to avoid patriarchy and chauvinism that they've been often very lax in teaching practical skills of family and friendship love at all. Today, we need to teach the practical skills clearly and effectively and without either of those, patriarchy or chauvinism. These skills would include common courtesies, gratitude, admitting weaknesses and failures, we're all good at that, self-reporting emotions, expressing hurt or disappointment, competing desires, taking the first step to resolve conflict, upholding wise boundaries, saying yes and no, winning and losing graciously, creating win-win outcomes, speaking truth in love, speaking truth to power, asking good questions, requesting feedback, expressing affection, opening one's hearts, giving gifts, and seeking wise counsel. But sadly, most of our parents didn't know these skills, so most of us didn't learn these skills very well either. For me, this is why I believe there are a lot of humans living in the world right now that are ill-equipped to spread love and not damage in both their homes, schools, neighborhoods, social circles, including social media, workplaces, and all of society. To preempt this damage and to spread relational thriving instead, this is why Yami has a sub-point of love in nearly every sermon he preaches. It is an essential part of our love curriculum here. And if primary training in neighbor love focuses on family and friends, secondary neighbor love studies, would we would learn to see the outlier, the outcast, the stranger, the foreigner or migrant, and even the enemy as our neighbors too. Such a curriculum like this would be deeply rebellious in Malawi. Some might even say unpatriotic. You've heard the rumors about flood, I'm sure. We are a place where everyone is let in, even those who are not supposed to be associated with church. 
Can you imagine that? Like, isn't that the most, that's the best reputation that we could have? <gasps> we currently, though, have these deep political divides, and those are rooted in geographic regions, and those are rooted in tribal differences in most cases. Similarly, it could also be really easy to see COVID-19 as a foreigner's virus, as some very high-level officials in the world have called it. This is dehumanizing talk of the outsider or the ones that we didn't invite here. But Christian love would have us resist this agenda by, de by humanizing the other so that we see all peoples, brothers, sisters, neighbors, loving them as ourselves, standing as human beings, all vulnerable to the pandemic. This requires real intention to watch for these attitudes to creep in. Intentions of love that are absolutely necessary in times like this. So now we're moving on to Love 201. This is love of self. This profound shift in attitude that we were talking about toward the other naturally leads to a shift in our attitude towards ourselves. Many of us suffer the shame of self-hatred or self-rejection, and others of us suffer from self-centeredness, conceit, or pride. I've been recently reading a lot about shame from an author named Brene Brown. I'm sure many of you have read some of her things. And wow, is shame powerful and so evasive in everyone's lives. I've been amazed at looking at my own life and, and figuring out that what I was experiencing was actually shame. And both shame and self-centeredness are internal sicknesses that can spread like an infection in your body. And both can be healed when we learn to love ourselves for God's sake. There is this great monk named Bernard Clairvaux, his name right, described his practice of standing with God, so to speak, and from his vantage point regarding ourselves with divine compassion. In Flood's love curriculum, this would be our Flood 201. We at Flood need to learn this transformative practice. If you love someone, you will want to understand them and accept them as they grow and they change. Similarly, loving yourself involves a never-ending process of self-understanding and self-acceptance through life's ups and downs. There's a wide range of personality tools. I'm sure many of you have taken these from the Enneagram to Myers-Briggs that can help in this, in this regard. Or, as can a soul friend, sometimes called Anamkara, as the ancient Celts, the Celts call it, the Celts call it. A friend, this is a friend in whose compassionate presence you can unmask and open your heart. Now, I'm sure you can all think immediately of a few of these that we know we have in our flood family. And as a health professional myself, formerly, and a wife of a physician, I will always advise counseling and consulting with someone who has a professional degree. Um, particularly in those times when you're caring for yourself, 
um, are struggling with life transition or addiction, emotional or mental illness or trauma. So now we're going to move to flood 301, the love curriculum 301, which is love of the earth. Now, as we're becoming juniors, this is year three in our university, it's easy to see how love for neighbor and love for self naturally lead to love for the earth. This is Flood's Love 301. I think this one might be challenging for some of us, but it is very evident as a need in Malawi. So here's what I'm saying. If you love your neighbors as yourself, you want them both and you to be able to breathe. So you need to love clean, fresh air. And if you love your neighbors as yourself, you want them to be able to drink. So you need to love pure water in all of its forms. And if you love your neighbors as yourself, you want them and you to be able to eat. So you need to care about the climate and the soil and the farms and the fisheries and the forests and the trees. If you love your neighbors as yourself, you want all of your children and your future generations to be able to enjoy the beauty of this country. So you will care about conservation and you'll see nature as beautiful and holy. In the process of loving the earth for the sake of our neighbors and yourself, you will naturally learn to love the earth for its own sake. You'll understand that just as each work of art is very special and precious to the artist, each bird or tree or fish, river, mountain, lake, we have them all over here, it's precious to God, who's our creator. And you will increasingly feel the creator's love for the earth in all of its inherent magnificent beauty. And wow, does this country have magnificent beauty. As flood, we have more curriculum to build out here. And if you're interested in doing that, talk to the leaders. It is meaningful to us. So now here's flood love curriculum 401. This is love of God. People who are learning to love their neighbors, themselves, and the earth will not find it hard to learn to love God because God will not be for them a theory or a routine or a parent-demanding activity separate from or consistent with what they already love. Rather, in their experience of love for these, the neighbor, self, and creation, they will have already experienced God. Because as Richard Rohr says, God is an event of communion. They will already have come to love that of God in everyone. That's what Quakers will often say. This is 401, seniors. This is fourth year. At Flood, we call people to learn to recognize and love the familiar light in people. We see radiant in everything we already love. That radiant light is of God and is God in them. We learn to inhabit God as the loving reality in which we live and move and have our being. Each experience of love itself, we hopefully can realize, has actually been an experience with God. For as John says in the New Testament, love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, for God is love. 
And yes, loving a distant and theoretical God, one who's not here, must be approached and who must be approached through these complex belief systems can be really tough, and I would say even emotionally and mentally exhausting. But loving the God who is experienced in love for neighbor or ourselves and creation comes naturally as breathing. So can you imagine the results of this question? What if faith communities all over the country just put their energy into teaching people how to love in this way, all four of the love curriculum. <laughs> what if faith communities all over Malawi just put their energy into teaching people how to love in this way? Now, when this storm of COVID-19 gets worse, we know these are the trials that will form and shape us to be more like Christ. And there is an opportunity for each of us in that. And as Gary Haugen, um, the founder of the organization that I work for, International Justice Mission, he says this, we know that God does his miracles of transformation of the world through miraculously transformed people. Let me say that again. God does his miracles of transformation of love through his miraculously transformed people who can in turn love well. In this series on relationship goals, where the point was to grasp how critical love is, these relationships where we need to have miraculous transformation are the very ones in this flood's love curriculum. Relationship with others and neighbors, with self, with ourselves, with the earth and with God. So how do we as a church and as individual citizens of Blantyre enact this Love 101 to 401 curriculum in the season that we're in right now? This is what we do. We're going to face some really hard things. We're going to draw close to one another as much as we can and continue to overcome our obstacles to loving well. We're going to draw close to God we're going to use the brains that God gave us to be smart and safe. We're going to rest. We're going to find ways to love others that, over, that are very overcome with anxiety and with need. We're going to laugh, I hope. We're going to lean in, and we're going to do this all over again, over and over and over. And that is how we show Jesus' love to this city and those within our circles. Tim Keller says that love is fundamentally more an action rather than any feeling or an emotion. And so I pray that you are encouraged today in God's love for us and for his world, and that you will hold your heart and mind and body rooted in acting and demonstrating expressions of love because this is the way of life of love. And this is what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and this whole series has taught us, to love each other and ourselves and God. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for being with us today and every day. We pray that our lives will be filled and overflowing with the power of your love 
so that we can make a difference in this world and bring honor to your name. Help us to enact this love curriculum, to love our neighbors, ourselves, the earth, and you, and that we all will recognize each other as Jesus followers by the way that we love. Please keep us safe and hopeful and faithful, rooted in your faithfulness and love. In Jesus' name, amen. life Lord you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you bring hope you restore every heart that is broken Lord great are you Lord you bring life you bring life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, yes, great are you, Lord, it's your breath, Lord, it's your breath in our so we pull out our praise, we pull out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pull out our praise to you only, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pull out our praise, we pull out our praise, it's your breath, Lord, in our lungs. So we pull out our shout your praise Lord and our hearts will cry yes oh the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord yes oh the earth will shout your praise oh the earth will shout your our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Oh, the earth will shout your praise, Lord. Oh, the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Once more, the earth will shout your praise, Lord. Shout your praise, our hearts to cry, these bones who sing. Oh, great is you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, Jesus. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pull out our praise, pull out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. 
and give them. And when you ask, when they ask why, God loves you. That's it. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we sinners who did not deserve anything got the best more than what we could imagine or think of or even pray or even put words. We people that were dead in our sin, you gave us life. As people that are alive in you, may we show that life. Not by competing and proving how right we are, but by living, loving lives. You said, how will they know that we are your disciples? It's not by our Bible verses. It's not by how tough we act. It's not by how cool we can act. But it's by how we love one another. Help us to be a community that's in love with you, but also with one another. And as the world is a little bit more complicated, may we remember that perfect love, you, Jesus, cast away fear. And that when we are afraid, you say, cast that anxiety to you, because you care, you want to carry it. You're not saying, bring that anxiety so you just show me, but you want to carry it. Because you overcame the world. You're in this world will have trouble. But we should take heart because you've overcome. So as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God the Father lead us to loving God and others with everything. See you next week, family. God bless you. Thank you.